Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, Unwritten Rule fans, you can catch us every Monday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Believe Unwritten and enjoy the show. Attention, everybody stop what you're doing. It's time for The Unwritten Rule, a Mizzou sports podcast brought to you by the Believe Network, alongside Peyton Haverman and Kenny Van Doren. Here is your host, Jack Knowlton. Okay, here we are on Saturday. Uh, We're going to recap quite a game as uh, Mizzou's going bowling at at, uh, 6-1, defeating Kentucky. We're going to dive into it. We just finished the game. Kenny and Peyton are here. Um, so yeah, we're going to do the recap, but first and foremost, I'm um, going to get a quick word from the sponsor bet online football is back and bet online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to minute stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns, get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with bet online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one, all the way to the college football playoff and super bowl. Bet online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests anywhere available online. I know we just tweeted uh, our best beats of the week. Those all hit because we did college football. I think the Louisville one didn't, but uh, I know mine did. Shout out, uh, shout out Wyoming for that. But got all those ads from Bet Online. So head to the website today. Use your or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember, use our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V. Believe to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts okay bringing the other boys in here final from kroger field in lexington mizzou 38 kentucky 21 we're here on saturday to recap uh and dive into it this was a a wild wild affair on the road uh you know turned the broadcast on to watch and instantly my first thought was oh no this is not vandy this is not the construction site half empty stadium the Kentucky fans were ready to rock uh, and and get their side a bounce back win after they got blown out by Georgia. And for about 13 minutes of the first quarter, fellas, they were doing just that. Um, up 14 to nothing. We're all over Mizzou. Tigers look dead in the water until QB1. Uh, let me just make sure I have this right. Yes, that's right. QB1 Luke Bauer, of course, um, striking with a fake punt and a touchdown to a man I am now dubbing uh, Marquise Big Play Johnson, um, who just seems to only catch bombs for touchdowns nowadays. 39-yard strike, and then it was all Mizzou from there, uh, pretty much. Outscored Kentucky 35-7 to in the final remaining uh, rest of the game. Kentucky had a bunch of yards on penalties. Um, Mizzou's defense had a, a huge get-right game. We're going to dive into all of it. But guys, Mizzou at six and one, the overarching story here, the Tigers are going bowling and it is October 14th when, you know, they get their sixth win. I mean, what a start to the year. What a game. What a win on the road. We didn't have, I guess, other than a fake punt, which is just crazy in of itself, didn't have any sort of weird, controversial Kentucky Mizzou moments, at least that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, No 2018 PI call, no crazy punt outside of the punter's box. Just a fake punt that turns into an epic Mizzou 38-21 to win over the Wildcats. First yeah. impressions before we dive into all the specifics. 
quick correction, it was not they outscored them 35 to 7 down the stretch. They outscored them 38 to 7 down. My bad, 38 to 7. Late <clears throat> me this field goal. Uh what a it's a little bit of a a strange game. Um because good god, Missouri could not have had a more disastrous start to the to the game than they did. I mean, Drinkwitz, uh, even in the post-game interview, I mean, he said he, uh, him and Colt Kubelik, I believe is who the, the uh, post-game reporter was, he told him, like, before the game, we need to get off to a fast start, take the crowd out of it. If we don't, I'm going to be a little concerned. They did not do that. Uh, they made the, what I would personally say is a mistake, decision to receive the opening kickoff, run, run, pass, really bad set of play calls. Uh, they punted away. Kentucky absolutely, Ray Davis absolutely marches down the field on his own. Uh, they score. Just a terrible, terrible start all around. Brady Cook throws a bad pick. Um, but man, after those first 15 minutes, I mean, it, even early on in the second, it did look a little bit like, oh, this is going to be one of those games for Mizzou. It really felt like the classic Mizzou Kentucky game where it's just a psychological block because on like a third, and I think it was six, very manageable on Kentucky's side of the field. Connor Tolleson, again, snap issue, way high. Cook has no choice but to just dive on it. and The drive seemingly ends, but that then the difference came. I mean, last year, the, the, the play that ultimately ruined Missouri was that punt that Goodfellow had by 50, 50 yards over his head. And then he got rewarded for it. Um, today, today, the the play that defined the game was Luke Bauer throwing an absolute strike. By the way, this was one of the maybe the best ball all night from either either side. Uh, to Marquise Johnson, like Milton said, he's just got a knack for huge plays. That really changed the whole dynamic of the game. I mean, Kentucky really was never the same after that. Devin Leary. I don't know what on earth has happened to him. This is a mess of a quarterback. And I did. I do think the commentary team actually brought up a good point. I almost think the offense is just way too complicated uh, for him to really operate. Uh, they brought up that when he had that 3,500-yard season at NC State, 35 touchdowns, all that. It was a simple offense. Liam Cohen comes back to Kentucky. He reinstitutes the pro style that works so well with Will. Uh, with Will Levis, and it just has not worked at all. Uh, And credit to Mizzou's defense, though, because after a terrible first quarter, they absolutely manhandled Kentucky the the rest of the way out, outside of one drive. Um, The defensive pressure was great in the second half. They forced three turnovers in the second half. When you do that, you're going to win football games very easily. Um, this was not a close game after the first quarter. Yeah, my first initial reaction I, before we get really into the deep part of everything is that you look at the, the beginning of this game. It's the way Mizzou responded, the way they got back into it. Ray Davis, five-yard rush, three-yard rush, 13-yard rush, 14-yard rush, 70 rushing yards in the first quarter. Ray Davis was you know, showing why he was one of the, the best running backs in college football. He was all over. He finished with 128 Another thing that just sticks out, if I told you, and this is coming straight from the broadcast, I thought this was a great point they made. If you, if, the, if someone had said that Luther Burden only had two receptions for 15 yeah. yards at the end of the game, where do you think Mizzou stands? And you think they're losing by a lot. You're, you think they're getting shut out. There was 
you know, you're seeing production from everywhere on this offense. Maybe not the best day overall for the offense, um, but you still saw a lot there and the defense, you know, stood up and got them in good positions and kept this game um, within reach and really just shut out Kentucky. Overall, just everyone really just fired on all cylinders after that rough first quarter. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty to to dive into. And I think that is where I want to start is on the offensive side of the ball, because I think I, I do think the defense was the standout unit, maybe the special teams of the fake punt. But, um, you know, I, I think I think the defense overall was was very much a standout unit. But, yeah, I mean, two receptions for 15 yards. He was targeted five times Luther Burden and and this team didn't skip a beat. And I, I think for Mizzou fans, I, for most of them, I, I don't think they'll be all, at least I wasn't, all that surprised that this team is still able to click even when Burden is not even necessarily bottled up, but just, you know, sort of limited whether, you know, that's that's the other team doing something well or just them opting to target some of these other guys. I mean, Theo Weiss, like six catches, 58 yards and a touchdown. We know the Marquise Johnson touchdown. Like this, this receiving core just had steady production all evening long and Brady Cook you know, after a very early pick when he was targeting Burden, I believe, and just did kind of the stare down thing again, like we saw against LSU and through it, you know, he, he stayed composed guys. And so I, I, you know, I want your thoughts on kind of just the, the balance that this offense seemed to find after such a rocky start. Uh, yeah. I mean, in the first half, it was a bad showing for the most part. They were great in the two minute drill. Um, I thought, Every play call was perfect. Uh, Brady Cook really looked in, locked in there. Theo Weiss had that great end zone catch. I, he might have been the best offensive player tonight. I know he didn't light up the stat sheet, but very solid day for him. And the offense was better in the second half, I think significantly better. They were able to get in the end zone, I believe it was three times. Uh, yeah, three times. And for the most part, we're able to cash in. There were some goofy moments, like I didn't love some of the play calls in that third quarter, like down after they get that fumble, a third and eight swing pass to Cody Trader. That's not the play call I want there, but I, I maybe that wasn't good design. Maybe it was just Cook had to get the ball out quick. I don't know. Um, didn't like some of the third down play calls in general, but end of the day, I mean, they were still able to put up 31 points. I mean... Obviously, seven of those came from the special teams, but they put up 31 points, and the best receiver in the nation had two catches for 15 yards. Now, obviously, you got to get Burden going again going forward, but I'm not really worried about that. I think Kentucky took away Luther Burden tonight, and Brady Cook made them pay with spreading the ball out all around. I have three pillars where I kind of want to build off of that. And the first one goes with Brady Cook. Well, we talked about this on our own preview and our preview with the guys over at Believe in Kentucky that he's getting a little bit more mobility with that knee injury. He's looking a little bit better. It looked like we saw the Brady Cook, you know, from earlier in the season, even last year. He broke out some good scrambles. 25 yards It was his longest rush, 40 on the ground. Um, good run game today from Brady Cook and probably just get better as the, the, the season goes on. And we've said it before that drink with his offense. And, you know, now Kirby Moore's offense calls for some first downs with the legs and from the quarterback. And Brady Cook looked good there. Uh, Mookie Cooper uh, now up to 302 receiving yards on the season, which is a single season high for him. Great to see for Mookie. Every time Mookie gets the ball, it's just business. And, you know, he's not going to light up the stat sheet with 
you know, a hundred yard, you know, games, you know, 80 yard games. He, he makes, you know, he, when he gets the ball, he makes plays. He had 18 yards after a catch today, two receptions for 29 yards. And I, I think, you know, Mookie's really stepped in that spot. He was a guy I was kind of worried about maybe that would try the transfer portal again um, after last year. Um, with Barrett Bannister gone, he had an opportunity to step up. And I think he's doing it, even though he's not making, you know, a slew of plays. When he gets the ball, he does well. Uh, my last one is Brett Norfleet. Uh, the freshman tight end stepping in as a starter now after Tyler Stevens uh, pretty rough game against LSU Tyler Stevens who I saw once on the field as a blocker in that fourth in the fourth quarter on a run play uh, not even out there anymore uh, this is Brett Norfleet's job uh, four receptions 40 yards some of these you know these are some things that probably didn't get a lot of attention and I think these those three things are uh, pretty big for the offense today yeah, Brett Norfleet almost had a TD. That's big. That's big for us. We're obviously big Brett Norfleet fans, and good to see him. Um, you know, slotting as the starter now. Uh, the thing I'll add to that, Kenny, just on the balance of this offense, you know, I I do have to give some credit to Cody Schrader because Kentucky, for the most part, was bottling him up. And yes, I agree with Peyton that there were times that they went to him that they should not have, especially to start that game. You know, with the the very much conservative play calling that we haven't seen for the most part this season. But then he, you know, he busted that one run out. I think it was his longest run of the day, the 19 yards, and he got into the end zone. So, you know, once again, he comes up big. He's a little bit Mr. Reli- he's becoming Mr. Reliable in that in that aspect where, you know, he doesn't give up. He works and and figures out a way to at least get an impactful run, even if it wasn't also the biggest stat sheet stuffing day um, for Schrader on the ground. I also like from Cody Schrader is that he he'll get like pushed around, yelled at by some defenders because you know, he's yeah. not the fastest guy. They'll, they'll get him and he just ignores them. Like he just put, maybe put pushes a guy and just walks away. I think that's a good mentality from him. He's you know he's been around college football for a long time now, and um, he's treated the SEC like it's another day in the, on the field. I thought that in particular the this was a very chippy game. I I think was very clear. Kentucky had a lot of moments where they were kind of talking some smack. I do remember one in particular against Cody Schrader, and Cody Schrader like didn't pay the time the time of day. I thought that when you look back last year to this year, even last week, that was probably one of the more unsung yet really impactful uh, improvements for Mizzou. They they had no really stupid penalties today. Kentucky killed themselves with penalties today. I mean, holding after holding. They had two unsportsmanlike conducts or something like that. One unsportsmanlike conduct, a personal foul. Kentucky was so, so undisciplined. And that's something I'm kind of used to Mizzou doing. I remember the Kentucky game last year. I mean, I think it was Josh Landry. I can't remember. There was a sideline scrum. And some Mizzou defender just took the dumbest penalty ever it was him yeah it was josh landry just that stuff can't happen and it didn't happen today um mizzou did a very good job they stayed disciplined i think brady cook had a quote i i would have to go find it again um about the chippy nature of the game and he said he thought they did a good job of keeping their emotions in check it was very nice to see mizzou thoroughly win the penalty game Three things from that is that this is I don't this might not be the quote you're thinking of, but this one comes from Cal McAndrew that Brady Cook said this was the type of game we knew it was going to be. We knew it was going to be a street fight, 
And you can't tell me that this game is not just a rivalry for some of these players. Even the guys on Kentucky, we talked with you know guys from Kentucky. They might not see it as a rivalry, but these players see it. I mean, this is a, a game where, like these two teams were more even matched than the SEC, and they can shift the East. And it, it really looked like that. And I wanted to knock on those penalties real quick for Peyton as well, and he mentioned them. But um, I'm going to run through them real quick. Holding, holding, false start, holding, false start, illegal motion, holding, personal foul. And the offensive line continue to look rough for Kentucky. And then on the defensive side, that there was that unsportsmanlike, there's a PI roughing the passer, another PI, and then offsides. It's just sloppy play from from all of Kentucky. They they had the one they had the one guy on the two point conversion try, uh, do the roughing the passer, and then push Brady Cook yeah. down after that and set up that free Cody Schrader run in the like the uh, to what to Peyton's credit, I would expect like Mizzou to have that something happen something like that happened to them. And it, it was just, I was watching it and I'm like, man, I like, you know, I know what side I'm on in this game, but that was just foolish. Like, what are you yeah. doing, man? They're, and good on Mizzou. I mean, there were a couple scrums on the sidelines in this game and Mizzou did a great mm. job of not, not getting, just, they just stayed composed. They kept it within. Um, I, I thought it was very, very well done. I, I don't think, like, I, this was not the offense's best game. It probably was the defense's best game of the year. Um, the, the special teams made their biggest play of the year. But just as a from a discipline standpoint, just a composure standpoint, from, I guess, I, I may sound like a coach, the intangibles, mm-hmm. just being able to bounce back after such a horrible start, it really kind of was, I walked out of that game thinking that's probably the most impressed I've been with Mizzou all year. I mean, there was a thorough beat down after the first quarter. Yeah, 14 penalties for 122 yards for Kentucky. They had more yards from penalties than they did passing yards in this game. So, yeah, just absolutely crippled uh, themselves by penalties. We talked about some of the key ones. Um, I want to get into the unit that I, I, I think, like Peyton teased, had its best game uh this this game and on the road this mizzou defense i mean uh, my goodness like it, again it, it did not it did not start well we had a classic tyron hopper missed tackle right off the jump um you know on that on that first touchdown drive i remember and yeah just some miscues letting kentucky get in the end zone early um and but yeah i i you know just i guess you you guys just get into it wherever you guys want to take this this was a, I, I, to Payton's to Payton's credit again, just being broad, like as good of a defensive performance as we've seen this season. I think that's that's undisputed. Um, so yeah, just take it away. What stood out to you guys about this this defensive performance today? Um, it early on, I mean, it was it was really just a feeling of here we go again. I mean, Tyron Hopper misses an easy tackle. The D tackles just get kind of moved around and just keep missing chances to bottle up Ray Davis in the backfield. Devin Leary has a goddamn rushing touchdown. I mean, it really felt like, good God, did LSU break them? I was um, going to say, there was a, there to butt in briefly, there was a good tweet from Gabe DeArmond who said, suddenly Devin Leary has apparently turned into Jaden Daniels, and we thought yeah. all hope was lost. Yeah, and I mean, last week, I mean, I remember thinking, like, it feels like every time when the defense, no matter how they've been performing under Blake Baker, 
when they've been able to pull out games, they normally get that one stop. Like, no matter how they're playing, they could be playing terrible, but they'll pull out one stop. Like, K-State in the fourth quarter. I mean, that, that midfield stop. Just where you don't expect it. And they didn't get that last week. Um, but today, I mean, Mizzou is down 21 nothing entering, or 21-20, sorry, uh, going into the fourth quarter. They take the lead. The defense, they step on the throat. Marcus Clark uh, gets a pick uh, two drives later. Uh, they get a sack on Devin Leary. Jaden Jernigan pushes the alignment into Leary. He fumbles it. They have to fall on it and punt. And they played really complimentary football um, in the fourth quarter. Just all three phases were firing. Um, it was, I mean, the defense closed. Like, that's. there's no other way around it. The offense obviously did too. They, they, they took advantage of that short field off the bad punt from Kentucky. Um, but the defense, I mean, Cad got wound up after he got robbed of his fourth pick. He got one late just on a – I know Devin Leary was trying to make a play, but what a horrible ball. Um, Marcus Clark picks off um, a ball after he gets beat earlier in the game. Everybody showed a lot of resilience on both sides of the ball. The defense in particular, after what I think they would say was a pretty embarrassing performance last week, great bounce back for them, especially without Ennis Rakestraw. There was a moment there in the second half where the momentum felt like it was shifting in Kentucky's favor. There were six straight drives where Kentucky didn't score. It would have been seven if Cad comes up with that interception. And that was a good tweet. I, I got that information from Cal McAndrew, who put that out on X. And it looked like, you know, if they make that interception, Mizzou keeps momentum. Kentucky goes down they and it scores. And that was the last time they scored in the game. That was the last time the Wildcats put points up. Um, other than that, just this defense of line, the defensive tackle positions have looked so much stronger. I, I mean, J Josh Landry, who was kind of stuck behind Christian Williams, Jaden Jernigan, uh, Darius Robinson last year, even Realist George, really wasn't getting involved and then missed some time with an injury as well. He's out there. He's not the fastest guy, you know, off the line, but he's putting pressure. And he, I mean, it's not just about uh, getting to the quarterback, stopping the run game. You're putting pressure to, to help out the, your cornerbacks. You're helping out the defensive ends. If you get pressure on Leary, he's going to make a bad throw. And I mean, everybody was getting involved. Christian Williams is an animal. I mean, he's a he's pretty nimble and pretty fast for being a defensive tackle as well. It looks like that position has really grown in the last two weeks. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about that because that's one of the more loaded positions on this team. Another thing that really stood out to me is Philip Roshi's uh, sack there on the blitz in, in the second quarter, who had one tackle entering today. So he's he's played in four games, so he's going to lose the red shirt. It's starting to look like to me that this 2023 class is getting involved pretty early, and I really like it. You look back at that 2021 class, a lot of those guys took a year or two to get into it, and there were a lot of busts. I mean, there were guys who ended up leaving for other options and got into the transfer portal because they weren't seeing time. They weren't really getting involved. Drinkwitz is getting a lot of these 2023 20, guys there. I mean, it might just be credit to those guys. They're just showing out in practice and they're seeing time on the offense and the defensive side of the ball and they're contributing. And that, that's, that's an awesome thing to see, especially from a class. It might not be that highly ranked. A lot of three stars in there that have contributed really well so far. There were in that second half in particular, uh, I noticed a few guys that I really have not seen a lot of this year. I, you mentioned, is it Roche? I thought it was Roche, but Philip Rocher. Philip Rocher. Rocher. I mean, uh, Philip Rocher um, 
he had that huge sack. I legitimately was like, who the hell just made that sack? And then I like, me too. Up. Oh, me too. <laughs> uh, Sidney Williams, I noticed he was around the ball a couple times defensively. I, was, I thought he played well in the second half. Josh Manning, he found the field a couple snaps on offense. Um, so there were some new wrinkles added in. Uh, Manning didn't even get a target, but he was out there, which is encouraging to see. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I did definitely notice there were a lot of new faces out there. Uh, and a lot of them made good plays. Uh, Sydney Williams obviously isn't like a brand new player to college football, but I mean, he hadn't really played a lot this year. Um, and to your point about the D line, the tackles and the ends, I mean, it was a little bit of a rough first half. They did get going a bit in the second quarter. They took over that game in the second half. I mean, they drew. Um, a ton, I mean, the center, Eli Cox, I believe his name was for Kentucky, flat out could not handle whoever was in front of him, particularly Christian Williams, like you mentioned. I mean, he had to hold on for dear life a couple times. Jaden Jernigan made a couple plays. Like you said, Josh Landry made a couple plays. Off the edge, Robinson had that great sack on Leary that I'm pretty sure Leary had the time to throw the ball away, but he's not very good. Uh, Darius Robinson absolutely made him pay for it. They took over that game in the second half. They they played a lot better. Um, I thought it was definitely that unit's best going into the season. There's a thing called the Rhino package, too, that Drinkwitz brought up one time last year to get a big uh, fourth down or third down stop at the line. I'm excited to see if that gets broken out in a, in a tight game this year. These defensive tackles, are, they, they, they're just showing that they're improving. As the season goes on, it really George really hasn't seen much of the field these last. I mean, he's seen the field, but maybe not really showing off in in our eyes. He put all those. He put three defensive tackles out there. I think this is a a really fun defensive line. Yeah, it feels like I'm glad you brought that up, Kenny, because I know you texted. You were texting when we were talking during this game, like, "Oh, the D line's back." Um, shout out Marcus Clark too. I know you know we were a little bit worried about his performance early on. Your guy, he got an INT. He made up number for two on the season. Yeah, that was good to see. And then Cad got his fourth one, as well. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a big pick. Cad got his fourth, obviously, after that. That was where I got nervous because, yeah, he dropped that pick and then, you know, they marched right down the field. And so I think, Peyton, your point of resilience is also a, a very good thing. The only thing I'll, I'll really, um, you know, add with the def- defensive line is like it was it's so nice to see. You know, you mentioned like Roche and some of these new guys and and some guys who seemingly were underperformers stepping up in this game. That's that's all great. And I think this this D line in particular is peaking at a really good time. I mean, it's really nice to have, you know, them starting to play your best football seven games in. And, you know, now you go from there and hopefully they can they can maintain that. But for me, like seeing Darius Robinson, four solo tackles, two sacks. I mean, you know, two and a half tackles for loss, you know your best player you're one of your leaders on that defensive line like stepping up in a big game in a key situation when your offense you know is is has dropped off maybe a little bit the stars aren't aren't going as much on that side of the ball to see him kind of step up in a in in that moment I really I was just really impressed with and happy to see you know as as this season goes on him just being a leader is gonna be huge I've always been a big fan of his um I know I believe I've believed it's still kind of do that if you have him lower than second or maybe third um in terms of just important players on that defense 
for maybe just straight up best players on that defense, I think it is a mistake. When he is fully healthy, he's been dealing with the calf injury this year, uh, was able to take the the Vanderbilt game off and has really come alive the last two weeks. Um, he is just monster. He is going to be someone that Mizzou is going to have to work very hard to replace. My last thing uh, before we move over here is that uh, we did mention some of those tackling issues. Joseph Charleston still looking for more consistency um, at that. He did. Uh, he did force a fumble. Yeah, I'll give fumble, him credit yeah. there. The mm-hmm. one, the one fumble that that Mizzou did recover and Drew Norwood it got on that ball. Uh, it was from Joseph Charleston. Punched it out. So, uh, credit to him. It, you know, he he knows more than what we know that what's going wrong for him. So, uh, it's still good to see kind of like those pluses when you're still having some trouble with tackling. Yeah, definitely. It's and and we can get into like as we, you know we can get into the skepticism side of this game. And obviously, especially early on, there's some things that jump out that, yeah, if that gets maintained for a whole game, it's, it's big, big trouble. But the important note to have here is that they overcame it. They were resilient, like Peyton said, and they, they stayed locked in. They focused on the task at hand, took it one play at a time again, to use the generic coach speak. Um, But yeah, they did. They did a fantastic job. We got to talk about it. I mean, the link show, the link train, hats off to Eric Link was Drinkwitz's words to uh to the sideline reporter after the game. Special teams, you guys, you're talking about a unit that's had its best game. I mean, we can start with the fake punt, but there's some other stuff to get in, in here too. Um, but special teams was was as phenomenal as, as you can have it be when you you literally you have a play from that unit turning the tide of this game. I don't think there's any denying like what what flipped it was, was that fake punt. I mean, I was looking down at my phone, rage texting a lot of you guys, like what the hell is going on? This is terrible. Like a classic. Terrible. Yeah. Connor Tolleson's <laughs> terrible. Everything's falling apart on the road again. It's classic road drink, all this stuff. And then I look up and the ball is, I, I hear it's a fake. And I look up and the ball is floating over to Marcus Johnson for a touchdown. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive for a unit that we have given, rightfully so i believe heavy criticism all season long you know i was doing the same thing as you was like just typing angry on my <laughs> phone and i hear i look up and see luke power uncorking one initially i was pissed because i was like oh my god marquise johnson is blanketed but marquise johnson i mean the defender had his back to the ball and didn't look up until the last second marquise johnson i think it was kenny last week who said he does Hell not play, play. He does not play like a freshman. I mean, this guy, he's not a one-trick pony. I mean, he did not beat that guy just with his speed. He had to go up and make a nice adjustment, high point that football. Marquise Johnson is a dude. I mean, this guy is a stud. I mean, Mizzou, I think we talked about this a couple episodes. I remember texting Kenny a bit about it. Drinkwitz has really – it has just been – continued investment in the receiver core and it wind, and it winds up all paying off. I know we've we talked we've beaten but we're practically the Mookie Cooper defender brigade at this point yeah. because I mean we were just so confused why he really wasn't taking off when he got here. And I mean he's really developed into a very, very, I think, overlooked member of this team. Uh Luther Burden goes without saying Theo Weiss has uh, emerged as the perfect 50-50 counterpart. And now you got Marquise Johnson, Makai Wingo in your back pocket too. Daniel Blood, Josh Manning. What'd I say? 
Mikai Wingo. Wingo. <laughs> he, he was in your back pocket. He's still in your head. That, yeah, he was in your back pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikai Miller. <laughs> Mikai Miller. Just so many good receivers. But, yeah, I mean, the, the that special teams play, um, that flipped the game on its head. The, the game was never the same after that. Kentucky was not the same team after that happened. Um, and they needed that because, in my estimation, last year, special teams is what lost them the Kentucky game last year because it wasn't just Goodfellow getting roughed by Will Norris, even though Will Norris would have done what every other player on the planet would have done. Um, people forget Stonehouse, the punter from last year, he fumbled a snap and instead of picking it up and punting it, he tried to run for a first down, gave Kentucky a short field, touchdown Kentucky. For whatever reason, Kenny explained it to me a while ago and I thought it was still a really stupid reason last year they kept kicking the ball short to kentucky and setting them up with short fields and kentucky made them pay every time every time uh it lost them the game but link got some revenge today he absolutely deserved some props because they i mean drink said in the post game like if they go safe man like on the punt return they're gonna run that fake play so link saw it and they made the play and it changed the game the reason behind that was the whoever was the punt returner, I believe it was Tavion Robinson in uh, 2022, was one of the best punt returners in the SEC. And Mizzou was really bad at uh, block, you know, stopping, you know, defending uh, punts or punt returns. So they just kicked it short so that everyone could get down there and stop him if he didn't call a fair catch. And it, it was. I remember that was Payton a big. Head is in his hands on the that was a big emphasis YouTube. going into the week. It, it was a tough thing for them to battle. Uh, another great quote here, relayed by our friend Cal McAndrew, about from Luke Bauer, who got to be in the press conference. That's awesome to see too. That is, Luke, yeah. Luke Bauer said, "I played baseball. I know I can throw it. That's awesome." He went go. to Desmet in St. Louis. So shout out any of those uh, Desmet alumni that might be listening to us uh, in the coming days. But uh, that's great to see for Luke Bauer. One thing about Marquise Johnson. He's listed at 5'11 and 180 pounds, which, you know, that's a big guy. He seems so much bigger on the field. And I don't know if that's just because he just plays big. Yeah, he's just alive on everything. And the one thing I've noticed, too, he had two good kick returns. And I think that's where his job should be. Maybe even think about putting him on punt returns. Luther got banged up there and i think it's time to maybe move him off the punt returns and you're not really even seeing luther take licks on punt returns. yeah out on that. he took I'm he done. took a shot in the place that you don't want to take a shot in too let's just say and I, it's I like know, he gets the commentator he's said taken, that yeah and he's been he's taken some real hits on that like i love luther burden he's the best playmaker in college football take him off punt return i'm done i can't bear to see him get injured on that again and we haven't even seen much success for the punt returns this season as we did the as we did last year with, with some of those returns that Luther had. We just kind of just reel something out. But um, right now, I, I don't know if Marquise Johnson can be a punt returner. I know it's a totally different job. Uh, we've seen the last couple of years that the kick returns and punt returns are two different sets of returners. Uh, maybe that's something they can look at moving forward. But for right now, I just don't know if that's a, a job for Luther um, with kind of the some of those banged up uh, plays he's had. I mean, special teams is the whole like you you risk. Isn't that the biggest injury risks are on those plays? So yeah, it's on just kick it, returns it, and okay. It was mostly just kick returns, but I mean, still, I I don't know. You don't want to. It's hard to risk your your best players. Yes, if he houses one, I know he's done that before, but yeah, it's a I little risky. Christian. 
Yeah, yeah. So not, you know, that, that was what it was. But yeah, I mean, Mark Marquise Johnson's been great, and we'll see where his future maybe lies. One downside, we know, I know Mevis missed another kick, and that was that one. That was another knuckleball, and I think that I think the commentator said they did not. It was blocked that time. Okay, because I know the LSU one we thought was blocked, but wasn't blocked, and this one looked like it was too, or it was, and it it actually was. Here's my thing: like, I don't want to blame Harrison Mevis for block kicks because ninety nine percent of the time a block kick is not the kicker's fault. But at a certain point, like, is he kicking it too low or something? Because it's been way way too inconsistent like it has to be cleaned up i really don't that that unit has just had a load of issues i mean they switched they've switched holders they've switched long snappers i mean it's just the timing has been off before on some of these kicks messy messy unit and that needs to be better it won them a game because harrison Mitas does have the potential to as we've seen before rifle off a deep 50s even low 60s field goal but you gotta see like you gotta be making 80 percent of these things man yeah it's nervy when your holders you're switching holders during the year like you have all fall camp to develop that chemistry and figure that out and then you know you're now you're audibling because it doesn't work but not even just during the year in the first three or four weeks it's just not a good sign either and i mean there was a punter battle as well switching there and um I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't, doesn't happen. Not, thank God, Bauer. That punter battle doesn't happen. Yeah, if, if Sorry, Bauer doesn't Riley win that out. Yeah, I don't know if Riley Williams played baseball down under. Um, might have been a rugby guy. <laughs> yeah, Australian rules football. Oh, someone um, I also did. I forgot to shout this guy out in the D line because Drinkwitz also shouted him out because he had a great response. Josh, uh, not Josh Landry, Johnny Walker. Really good response game for him. He had a sack. I remember had a really. I remember, I think it was a carry for Ray Davis. It was blocked well on the perimeter. It looked like it was going to have some yardage behind it. Walker was able to track him down from behind, drop him for a one-yard loss. Uh, Drinkwitz, the quote was he was really upset with himself after getting ejected from the LSU game last week. Um, He had a great response tonight. Yeah, that's a good point because he got burned on that touchdown, that first touchdown too because he was matched up with Davis when he went on a, a passing route and that either that just might have been an unfortunate personnel situation but yeah good for him to to respond to that yeah um you know yeah i mean this is just the, it was a it, it turned into a phenomenal performance i think you know a lot of mizzou fans it's just a, a weird feeling i mean shoot there were more mizzou fans in there that stadium i mentioned at the very beginning was rocking at the start of that game and it made me really worried and it was justified for a quarter. And then you saw like Kenny, Kenny, you put it best when texting us like a tweet. I think it was from Callum or maybe Gerard Hamilton of power Mizzou. Like it looked like a COVID game with three minutes left in that stadium. And you said, you know, yeah, it was raining and you're losing whatever team people are going to clear out. But I mean, the Mizzou faithful stayed put and it, it is just, it is very, very refreshing. They kept the commentators kept bringing up that South Carolina game, which, you know, I think, I, I at least off the top of my head was probably Mizzou's best win last year. It was just a very, very impressive win on the road. Um, you know, it felt like that game again. And to have that in a much bigger season, you know, it, it sets up some pretty exciting stuff now going forward. I don't want to go to the length the commentators were going to of, hey, if they beat Georgia or anything, you know what's going to happen. But, I mean, this is just an awesome thing to see. Uh, 
you know, on the road. Yeah, they were saying some pretty wild stuff. If they beat Georgia, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking New Year's Six playoff break, okay? Yeah. Let's not get ahead um, of It's fun that the if is there, though. It's fun that it's there. You know, they put themselves in that spot. But. Never plan your uh, homecoming game against the inventors of homecoming, especially when you're ranked uh, in October, which happened last year against South Carolina. Uh, great atmosphere. I think they said it well that there wasn't really many uh, um, open seats at Kroger Field and uh, looked good. I mean, the Kentucky fans look like they really love this team, but um, the blue and white chant, I think, is kind of silly. Is that I don't what know. it was? I they were going tell. blue, white. I think the MIZ. That's Z-O-U. what it was. That is <laughs> wow, lame. That's, lame. that's very lame. <laughs> yeah, that's lame. Wow. So I, Even I if think it was the, like wild cats or something, I'd like that better. I, yeah. But yeah, I'm glad I, I was going to bring that up too because I was pretty sure South Carolina last year was their homecoming. Uh, yeah, Drinkwitz is starting to shake that, that road drink narrative. Um, and it was definitely I, you can't tell me it wasn't a thing before last year because his only ones were over two and eight South Carolina in 2020 and Vanderbilt twice I believe um, or no just once um, so yeah I mean the thing about this game going back to what Kenny said earlier it does feel a bit like a rivalry between these teams I think it really is because these two programs are on such equal footing right now. They are middle-of-the-pack SEC teams that, if everything goes right, really can jump up the, the, the pecking order. I mean, Benny Hardy, who we had uh, the other day from Cleveland Wildcats, um, he talked about how it's like a battle to fight up one spot on the hill and then dig in and try and keep doing that. And that's what I think these two programs kind of view this game as. Like, it's a big opportunity to kind of determine where you're going to finish in the SECs. Mizzou won tonight, and obviously it's great that they got bowl eligible. I mean, we've, I, I in particular because I love bowl games so much. But, I mean, we've always had to stress about Mizzou getting, finding six wins on the schedule the last few years, and they got it in October. But, I mean, Drakewood said it himself in the postgame interview when he was asked about being bowl eligible. He said, why stop now? I mean, that's such a good mentality for this team to have because I'm not going to say the sky's the limit. I don't. I don't see them beating Georgia still. Um, I don't see them going 11 and one, 10 and two, but eight and four, nine and three, a top three finish in the East. I mean, that's very doable. I mean, Florida got absolutely curb stomped by the Kentucky team as it beat tonight. Uh, South Carolina is going nowhere this year. I mean, they're two and four and already feel dead in the water. Uh, Tennessee feels beatable. I mean, everything is right in front of Mizzou. Yeah, it's 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 incredibly wide open. I mean, like I'm just looking at the standings like you have Florida, Mizzou and Tennessee all at that one conference loss. And, you know, Tennessee still has to go to Alabama, play Kentucky and play Georgia you know, Florida, they got a nice win against South uh, Carolina to their credit, but they still have to play Mizzou. And so that's kind of destiny in your own hands. You just got to win that game. I the, Second place in the SEC is in the SEC East is not out of the question by any means for this Missouri team with with this win tonight. 
I understand, you know, looking past, looking at that Georgia game, like what if, you know, what if Mizzou goes in there and does upset Georgia on the road? It's also just really smart to not look past South Carolina. I, I know that they're not a good, they're not a better team. I mean, they're not better than they were last year. They're not a really good team this year. Um, Beamer cannot get out of a press conference without blaming someone else for a loss. And it, and, but you just can't look past it. And I think Mizzou does, does so you know, does it well with that. They, they they go into each week. It's a nameless, faceless opponent. And that's a big thing that they always hit on in press conferences. And even though there's a bye after that week, you have to, you got to step on their necks. I mean, you have to beat the crap out of South Carolina. You have to play your best football. I know it's homecoming. It's going to be a big deal. It's a big deal for Brady Cook, big deal for everyone on the offense, everyone on that defense, especially everyone that's from the, the state of Missouri, winning this game at home, especially over South Carolina, who's not been a, not a rival as much as Kentucky, but it's been another team that's been on the same playing level the last three years, last four years since Drinkwitz has been there. You just can't look past them. You gotta you gotta take a big win into the bye. Then you have two weeks to prepare for Georgia. You have everything there. Get healthy. Um, get everyone back to a hundred percent. And that's that's a perfect time to have the bye. No, Dude, I, I, I go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> I was just gonna say I absolutely agree with that point on South Carolina not overlooking them because while yes you look at their record they're two and four right now i mean shane beamer just every other week feels like south carolina wants to fight fans want to fire somebody that's still i mean we were in the same position last year with the roles reversed i mean south carolina had just gotten ranked they were coming off an emotional big win that felt like it was going to be a statement uh over texas a&m and it was their homecoming game, and Mizzou was struggling. South Carolina didn't play well, and they fumbled it despite the fact that they were probably the better team. This year, I don't think there's a question. Mizzou is worlds better than this than South Carolina is. And Mizzou has the capability to beat the crap out of South Carolina and really make a statement going into the bye, but they have to lock it in. And luckily, I, I agree with Kenny. There's no Georgia that you can overlook South Carolina for. It's just the bye week afterwards. So you can have your full attention on South Carolina. And getting that win on homecoming in front of what's going to be likely a sellout crowd, 7-1 and one into the bye week, that is, I, that's unbelievable to think about. I mean, 6-2 and two into the bye is not bad either. You ha- I mean, you really should get there 7-1. Yeah, I mean, it just creates so much excitement for that next two weeks when you don't have a game. The hype can just build and build and build and build before you roll up into Athens, where, again, you know, it's 0-0 at the start of the game at that point. But you're right. Like, this is I, – I, it's a good point, good humble way to be humble with the roles reverse thing. I didn't even think about that because it was South Carolina's homecoming last year, and it was an embarrassment for them in front of their home fans. And, like – yeah, but with this momentum, it just it just does not feel like, you know, Mizzou should let that happen. But uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be some atmosphere for sure. And let's not forget, boys, uh, possibly a sellout crowd. Let's not forget the three most important guests that'll be there. The three of us, the unwritten rule, will be in attendance for that game. So sure we can't lose in front of us. Yeah, and I was kind of almost thinking like, oh, what if we lose to Kentucky? Then I could see them maybe clinch bowl eligibility, but 
now it feels honestly even more important because getting to seven and one going into the bye. I mean, and especially when you look at that LSU game, how winnable it really was. It really the the world is at Mizzou's fingertips right now. And no, I'm still not going to pick them to beat Georgia, win or lose against South Carolina. But the fact that it could be a thought if you handle your business against a team that is having a very disappointing season next week. It at least starts the conversation. Uh, my, my last uh, thing I want to throw out there is that by the time a lot of our listeners, anyone who comes across us, gets to this video, gets to this podcast, they'll know what the AP poll looks like. Do you think Mizzou slips into maybe that 25 or 24 going into this next week? I was going to ask that. They were, they, they're, they're 26 right now. They just beat 24. Beat the crap out of 24, really. Um, yeah, I, there's no question. And Miami lost. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they'll they'll for sure be ranked um, heading into South Carolina and and yeah, it makes it it makes it all the the more hype for a celebration for the team that invented the school that invented homecoming. We know the Mizzou Mafia is not afraid to uh, broadcast that fact. And so, yeah, I think like I just hope this team embraces it and just and just, yeah, uses it as a as a platform to just show why you are among the elite in the SEC because they are right there. Uh, you know, they got a big, they got a big win on the road today and they are right there to take that and run with it. And with whatever happens against Georgia in a few weeks, you, you can finish this season on a very, very happy um, note and a big improvement in this season for Eli Drinkwitz. What a game, fellas. We had a fake punt craziness. Um, you have a final thing, Kenny? Yeah, sorry. I'm trying to avoid these dogs barking here late at night. But <laughs> um, last year when Mizzou... Uh, went into Columbia, South Carolina for the homecoming. Uh, the Gamecocks were ranked 25th. Um, if the Tigers move in, I, I don't know if they'll move it to 24. If they get, they'll be, it's higher, a, than they'll be higher than that. But if they, if they were ranked at 25, it would be kind of fun to see the roles revo- uh, reversed. Uh, it is a week earlier than the the game was last year. It was on October 29th in 2022. Um, this year will be on October 21st. There you go. All the all the rumblings of what feels like a trap game hosting it, but you know, you can't let it happen. And Spencer Rattler can air it out, man. He really yeah. can. Oh, yeah. And this is a pass defense that's been shaky at times. Yeah, this is not a Devin Leary quarterback you're welcoming yeah. on, on Saturday. Um, but yeah, I mean, just get to that game and get through that game and see if they can use it as a platform to then go into Georgia. But obviously can't overlook the game. Cox coming in from South Kakalaka will be there. Um, we'll explain the show schedule, I think, back on, on Sunday when we record the rest of the show, figure out what we're going to do. But we're excited to um, to go back back home um, and be down for that game. But final from Kroger Field, my goodness, Missouri 38, Kentucky 21. We had a fake punt. It was a beautiful win. Well, ugly win to start and then became beautiful. I don't know. It was just wild. Um, but, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, if you're listening on Monday, we'll go to Quick Hits. And for those listening on uh, Sunday and Saturday when this portion of the show comes out, uh, this has been the Unwritten Rule presented by Bet Online. Everyone go enjoy your NFL Sunday. Go celebrate this win. And uh, see you all. <laughs>